0: Around the moral issues of our time, visit avemarialaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Oh Lord, my God, thou searchest me; my heart and mind are unto to thee. Nothing is hidden from thy eyes, when I sit down and when I. Turning, my thoughts and hopes, my secret yearning.
1: In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. I'd like to welcome you all to our Perseverance family conversation, and as always, it's great to be with you. And uh, we always like to start off our conversation by inviting Mary to be with us. Mary is the Mother of God, Mary is the Mother of the Church, and Mary is the Mother of each and every one of us. So, Let's uh let's start off by inviting Mary to be with us. In the Hail Holy Queen we crowd to Mary, Mary being our life, our sweetness and our hope. Let's then ask Mary to be with us, to pray with us and to pray for us as we pray the prayer that she loves most, which is the, the Hail Mary together. Hail Mary full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. So let's uh, turn now to our spiritual director. What a privilege and grace it is indeed to have as spiritual director the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit has many names and titles, among which would be he is the paraclete. He's also known as the gift of gifts. In the sequence that we pray on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is known also as the sweet guest of the soul. In our lives, the Holy Spirit can be expressed as our counselor, giving us proper advice in our decisions. The Holy Spirit is also known as the consoler. We all go through moments of desolation in our lives. It's part of being human, moments where we we experience possibly a little bit of sadness or discouragement. Holy Spirit is there to help us to overcome our discouragement and our sadness. And then, St. Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 8 that we don't know how to pray as we ought. However, the Holy Spirit intercedes with ineffable groans so that we can say, meaning Daddy or Father, let's humbly implore the Holy Spirit to be with us, to give us a lot of light, a lot of insight, and a fire of love to burn within our hearts. As we pray the traditional prayer to the Holy Spirit, join me, as I say. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill the hearts of your faithful, and enkindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit, and they shall be created. Thou shall renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O oh God, it instruct the hearts of your faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit. Grant us by the same spirit we may be truly wise. Never rejoice in his consolation to the same Christ our Lord, amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, as it was in beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end, amen. For our Lady of Perpetual Help, pray for us. Saint Joseph, pray for us. Saint Michael the Archangel, pray for us. Saint Raphael, Pray for us. Archangel Gabriel, pray for us. Saint Maria Faustina Kowalska, pray for us. Saint Ignatius of Loyola, pray for us. All God's angels and saints, pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, Amen. So I'd like to welcome you all to our Perseverance Family Conversation. I'd like to offer special intentions for all of you, what we might call the Opus Dei, that means Work of God. The greatest prayer in the world is that of the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Nothing can go beyond the celebration and the participate in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. We should make a concerted effort to participate often. And as the Second Vatican Council encourages, that we would participate fully, actively, and consciously in this greatest of all prayers. So I'd like to place on the altar your intentions and my intentions. The first is that we would strive to be holy. Yesterday I watched a conversation between Mitch Paqua and a priest in the Order of St. Francis de Sales. They're commenting on Introduction to the Devout Life of St. Francis de Sales, which was a book basically written for lay people involved in the world, doctors, lawyers, mothers, bakers, butchers, tailors, blacksmiths, pointing out that all of us are called to become saints. That's the thrust of that book, Introduction to the Devout Life of St. Francis Sales, is that all of us, in our station of life, we're all called to become saints. No one can be excluded. And that includes you, includes me. You as a lay person, myself as a priest and religious. (coughs) Let's pray for each other that we arrive at this, this goal of our life to become saints. My second intention would be, I'd like to pray for your families. The family known as the domestic church, the basic cell of society. And as St. Pope John Paul II states, the way the family goes is the way the society goes. Let us pray for our families, that especially your children will not be confused by many spurious, questionable, academic ideas that they're trying to instill in your children that they can choose their biological identity. We're created in the image and likeness of God. We're created male or female. So it's incumbent upon you parents as your moral obligation to teach your children the biblical truths, natural law too, as to who they are, their dignity as well as their destiny. Dignity, they're created in the image and likeness of God. Their destiny is they're called to go to heaven. You as parents are called to be bridges between heaven and earth for your children. Finally, my last intention, I'd like to pray that all of us would have a real yearning to grow in our prayer life. Jesus said to the devil who tried to tempt him after 40 days of fasting to turn those stones into bread and Jesus responded that man does not live on bread alone but every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Jesus was saying that we have a greater dignity in our mind over our our stomach. Our body is important but does not prevail over our soul. So may all of us have a great yearning to grow deeper in our prayer life. So I'd like to remind you as we move into our conversation and our Perseverance family talk, But this Friday is the March of Life, a day which we're called to pray and offer up some type of
0: sacrifice, some type of fasting, whatever we can do. And the reason being is the
1: we call to mind the anniversary of the saddest day in the history of the United States. That happens to be when the Supreme Court, January 22nd, 1973, made the nefarious, might even say diabolic, decision to legalize killing innocent children. In the Supreme Court decision, Roe v. Wade, abortion was legalized, so it's incumbent upon us as Christian, Catholics, followers of Christ who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. To do all in our possibility, to try to defend the most vulnerable persons in our society. That would be the baby in the womb of the mother. So that's a lot, another intention I'd like to place in our prayer this week. Because Friday is that day that calls to mind that terrible decision that we're praying and hoping will be overturned, that a Roe way. And the country and the Founding Fathers establish our country with these words, every human being is created with inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. If life is snuffed out from the womb, there's not going to be liberty or pursuit of happiness. Let us never forget that life comes from God. God gives life, and God
0: ends life. Life begins at the very moment of conception.
1: So our life is precious from the very moment of conception till natural death. <clears throat> Try at all times and places to defend life. The movie The Silent Scream by Bernard Nathanson points out that when the baby is being violently
0: dragged out of the womb of the mother, either by scalpel or by a
1: vacuum cleaner, the baby is suffering. The baby cries out the silent scream, but the scream cannot be heard. It's muffled out and it's smothered. That baby cannot defend himself. Therefore it's incumbent upon us to be the voice of the unborn who cannot speak for himself or herself. We are people of life. We are people of life following in the footsteps of the saint And the greatest, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he died on the cross. On Good Friday, shedding every drop of his precious blood. For the purpose. Of all of us. Attaining to eternal life. So let us always be ready to defend life at all times and all places. So I'd like to move into our conversation today. I'd like to go through the past couple of days of the first reading because it's of capital importance. Since we entered into ordinary time, we've been reading through the Gospel of St. Mark. But also first reading, we've been reading through the first book of Samuel. So I'd like to kind of give you a recap of that (coughs) to show us where we're at. And I believe there are a lot of very important messages that we can glean from the Word of God, and most specifically the book of Samuel. So here's an overall summary of where we're at. Over the past few days we have Hannah who goes into the temple of Shiloh, and she is suffering very much. The reason being is that uh, Anna has no children. She's barren. This was considered a chastisement, a punishment.
0: And a great source of suffering for women years ago...
1: In the Jewish religion, having children was seen as a blessing from God. So she was deprived of having children for a long time. She married to Elkanah. Elkanah had another wife, Penena. Penena insulted Sarah because she did not have, rather Hannah, because she didn't have children. So there, Hannah is in the temple of Shiloh. She's pouring out her heart to God because of her great sorrow of being childless. Eli, the high priest, is in the temple and sees her with her eyes closed and moving her lips.
0: And he misinterprets her and basically insults her
1: calling her a drunk. She defends herself saying, look, I was not drunk. I'm just pouring forth my heart, my sorrows to the Lord because I have no children. So it's important for us not to misinterpret people and to condemn people and insult people. We should think before we speak and utilize our reasoning process before we judge other people's actions. But Hannah does not hold on to resentment against against, uh, Eli the High Priest. She seemed to be a very noble, humble, merciful, prayerful woman. Eli says, may it be done to you according to your word. So she leaves. She is filled with joy. She sits down has a meal with her husband. Then upon returning to have relations and she conceives a son. And brings forth a male child who she named Samuel, which means gift from God. She's so filled with joy. She offers her son to God in the temple, and the son will have the Nazaretic vow. The Nazaretic vow was a vow which entailed not drinking liquor, alcoholic beverages, as well as not to cut one's hair. was a vow, a promise that was given to God. I find this book of Samuel is very, very interesting. That if we make vows, we should try to accomplish them. Many of you have made vows on the day of your wedding. To be faithful to your spouse. To be faithful in good times as well as bad. Health as well as sickness. Richness as well as in times of poverty. To be faithful until death do you part. That's one of the obligations incumbent upon those who have chosen the married state. We as priests we make, as religious we make, vows of chastity, poverty, and obedience. Like Hannah and Samuel, let's pray that we be faithful to our vows. Faithful to the word that we've given to God.
0: Then the book of Samuel moves on. So I'm, I'm
1: giving you a summary of what we've been reading the past ten days, nine days, and gleaning some lessons for you. Hannah presents her son in the temple. And in the temple, he's growing. her son is growing up. Next to Samuel in the temple is the high priest Eli. So God has chosen Samuel and he's starting to communicate to Samuel. He's starting to speak to Samuel
0: in a way that Samuel does not fully understand. Then the temple is Eli.
1: So one night, Samuel hears God speaking to him, but he's not aware that it's God. Samuel actually believes that Eli has been trying to communicate with him, and he gets up and says, "Did Did you call me? Eli says, Go back to bed. I did not call you. So Samuel gets up again, and he goes to Eli and says, Did you call me? Eli says, I did not call you. Go back to bed. He gets up a third time Samuel, hearing the voice. And this time, Eli recognizes that God has been trying to get the attention of Samuel. God has actually been speaking to Samuel. So Eli says to Samuel, next time you hear the voice, of God say, say to him, speak, O Lord, for your servant is listening. And that's exactly what happened. God spoke to Samuel and he said, speak, O Lord, for your servant is listening. It says that Samuel was growing in wisdom and his words had a powerful effect upon people. He's going to be the great prophet Samuel.
0: Let me pull up some ideas for
1: us to interpret this passage well. First is, we have to pray for the grace to be able to interpret God speaking to us. God is speaking to us, but it's not always easy to interpret what he is saying how he's saying, and really what he wants for us. This passage is a clarion call for all of us who are taking our spiritual life seriously.
0: But we should all have a spiritual director. That's right. All of us should have a spiritual director. Saint John
1: of the Cross, Saint Ignatius Loyola, Saint Faustina, Saint Francis de Sales. All of them would insist upon us having a spiritual director. And our spiritual director can help us to understand how God speaks to us. St. Paul reminds us that the devil can even appear as an angel of light. So pray to God that you will be endowed with a good spiritual director. Your spiritual director will help you to interpret the way God is speaking to you. And the next point I'd like to make is that God can speak to us in any time, any place, any way, any manner. God can speak to us always. He's not limited by time and space. However, I'd like to give you three ways that God can communicate to us. There are many more, but I'll give you three classical ways that God can indeed speak to us. First is that God can speak to us through the Word of God. And I'll give you an example. Yesterday we celebrated the feast of St. Anthony of the Desert. A young man who lost his mother and
0: father when he was very young, but they left him an inheritance a lot of wealth.
1: He went to the church and he heard these words, If you want to be perfect, go, sell all you have, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. Anthony sold his lands and gave the money to the poor. Held on a little bit for his sister that he was watching over. Following day, he heard, Do not worry about tomorrow he sold everything, placed his sister in the care of virgins, and he went off to live in the desert. Anthony's life was transformed by him listening to the Word of God, but also obeying the Word of God. Not only do we have to listen to the Word of God, but we have to be docile and try to put it into practice. Remember my method. Read, memorize, general understanding... Personal understanding, practical application. Those are the five steps of my biblical meditation. So, trying to interpret Samuel in ways in which God can speak to us, God can speak to us through his word as he did Samuel, as well as St. Anthony of the desert. God can also speak to us through nature. The beauty of nature can speak to us very eloquently. The beauty of the creator is reflected by the beauty of creation. But we should never have a connotation that nature is Creation is the creator. They're two separate realities. That would be pantheism. So creation comes from God, but is separate from God. However, to enrich our spiritual life, it's good to take a nature walk now and then. John Paul II in his document, Deus Domine, keep holy the Sabbath, which is related to the Gospel reading today, says that Sunday should be the Lord's Day and Family Day. That's right, it should be the Lord's Day and Family Day. Among the many ways in which we can foster family value, as John Paul II says, being exposed to the beauty of nature is very important. Taking nature walks. Taking nature walks. Relishing nature. Loving nature. Seeing God's handiwork in nature. So my question might be this. What element of nature captivates you most? I personally, I really love the sun. The sunrise, the sun at midday, the sundown, the sunset. The rays that emanate from the sun. The sun being a circle makes me think about the host that they lift up. I like the sun. What about you?
0: What about you? We should all be aware that
1: God will speak to us through the beauty of nature. And finally, God can speak to us in many ways, but also through circumstances. Let me give you an example. This is one of thousands, but this is one that just occurs to me right now. St. Ignatius, when he was studying at the University of Paris, he had two companions that are canonized saints, Francis Xavier and Pierre Favre. St. Peter Favre became the greatest expert in giving the exercises after St. Ignatius himself. He was known to give the exercises to priests and clerics and bishops and princes and Queens. One occasion he was in Europe and he was dressed in a very simple black garb. Looked like a poor man, almost like a beggar.
0: He knocked at the door of a castle and the doorman
1: said, Who are you? I'm Pierre Favre. I don't know who you are. Get out of here. So the door was closed on him. And this was the thought that occurred to him. How many times has God knocked on my heart and I've closed my door to him? I pray that God would open up my heart to God's love. And I pray that God would open up the door of heaven to this doorkeeper that shut the door in my nose. Then eventually the door was open and he was able to give the exercises. But what deep spiritual insight Pierre Favre had. Instead of becoming angry and resentful against the doorman who was just trying to do his obligation, he did a twist and ended by praying for this doorman. Okay, so we're talking about the book of Samuel and I'm shedding light on how we can interpret it in our lives. Then we encounter Samuel. With the elders of Israel. They approach Samuel and say, Samuel, listen, we want a king to rule over us. We want a king to rule over us. Samuel becomes dismayed and sad. Because it was really the will of God that God himself would be the ruler of Israel and not a human king. But the elders of Israel insist in Samuel that he go and tell God that they want a king. So Samuel brings this to the Lord in prayer and the Lord says, they're not rejecting you, they're
0: rejecting me. So give them a king. But before giving them a king, Samuel points out
1: all the negative things that will come if they do have a king. They'll have to work hard. Their wives will have to work at making perfume and cooking and baking. They'll have to make chariots and armaments for war. They'll work long hours. They'll have to rent out the, they'll, the fruit of their field. they have to give to the king. They'll become slaves. They will experience incredible suffering. Despite this very serious negative warning, <coughs> they cry out still, we want a king. So God gives them a king. So the next passage that we... And what, what I'd like to point out there is this. That was a very unwise desire of the elders. Because they wanted human authority to rule over them over God. We should never place any human institution or ideology or philosophy over God, we will suffer the consequence. We will suffer seriously the consequences. We should have God as our king. Let God rule over us. Not political political figures. They've got feet feet of clay, as the Bible points out in the book of Daniel. So God accedes to the request of these people, and then we see Samuel encountering Saul. Saul's father, Kiss, tells Saul to pursue animals that have fled from the flock. So Saul is tracking down the animals. He can't seem to find them. And then Samuel meets Saul, And Saul is tall, he's very handsome, he's strong.
0: And God tells Samuel to anoint Saul.
1: Saul is anointed with oil. Samuel gives him a kiss. They have a meal together. So Saul becomes, he becomes the king of the Israelites. So God allows this to happen even though God does not really will this to be the reality but he gives into the stubborn requests of the elders of Israel and they're going to be paying the consequences. So in Samuel 1, Samuel 2, 1 and 2 kings we're going to see that the Israelites are going to be given kings and most of them are going to fail they will turn to false gods, they'll turn to idols. And then the Israelites will be handed into the,
0: they will be given into the hands of their enemies. So,
1: yesterday's reading, (laughs) building up to where we're going to arrive today, by giving you a summary of the book of Samuel, I think it's very interesting that we learn more and more about the Bible. The Old Testament is important too. There are 46 books in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. Every book, the 73 books in the Catholic Bible, every book is inspired by God. And he used human instruments. So God sends Samuel and the Israelites to fight against the Amalekites their enemies and very clearly God says I want you to destroy the Amalekites
0: as well as their their possessions their property and their animals
1: so Saul and the army they they conquer the Amalekites. It was a roaring total victory for the Israelites.
0: However, something happens. And it's this. the Samuel, seeing...
1: the abundant in the fertile flocks. or well, The Malachites decides to take some of them. And what, what Saul actually does, he takes an animal and offers the animal as a sacrifice to God. There seems to be something very good because we have in the history of Israel even to this very day, sacrifice is offered to God and God 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 is pleased, usually with sacrifices.
0: However, not in this case. Why not?
1: You would think that if Sam is Saul is offering a sacrifice to God. As a sin offering, or to praise God, God would be pleased at this.
0: That is not the ca- that is not the case. That is not the case. And you know why?
1: The reason is very simple. Is that Saul was disobeying God. And God will say, I do not, I prefer obedience to sacrifice. I prefer obedience to sacrifice. And as a result of that act of disobedience, God will... God will reject Saul as the king because he did not obey God. My friends, how important is obedience? I'd like to tell you a story in obedience and then speak a little bit about the negative consequences of not obeying. This is one of my favorite stories on the importance of learning
0: how to obey. This happened in Wyoming. There's a father who was a farmer, had two sons.
1: They lived out in the wilderness where there were a lot of animals, among which...
0: There were wild bears. So the father. The father said. To the. Two sons. The father said to the two sons.
1: Make sure that you don't go over the mountain, but you go around the mountain. Rather it would have been not so much a mountain but a big hill to go around and not over the hill. So the sons, they did obey their father. They went around the hill on their horses And they learned that right over the hill were these two bears on their hind legs and they would have pounced upon these young men on the horses and probably devoured them, killing them. So we see, my friends, how important it is that we learn how to obey. How important is it that we learn how to obey?
0: Obedience is so very important.
1: Look at the consequences of disobedience. And I've just pointed out a very short story and the consequences of having obeyed their father.
0: Otherwise, they would have been killed. So,
1: the first sin of Satan or Lucifer was that of disobedience. Satan said, Non serviam, I
0: will not serve. They will not serve. The first sin in the world was a sin of Adam and Eve.
1: It was a sin of disobedience that Adam and Eve did not obey God. God told them not to eat from the forbidden fruit. They disobeyed. And from that followed what I call a moral tsunami that has repercussions until the end of the world. The way the world is with all its negative consequences comes
0: comes as a consequence of the sin of Adam and Eve
1: comes as a consequence of the sin of Adam and Eve. So we see the universal repercussions of the sin of Adam and Eve. We are the way we are We're created in the image and likeness of God. The human person is basically good. But all the sufferings that we go through, even this universal pandemic virus that is touching so many people, killing people, came as a sin of the disobedience of Adam and Eve.
0: So Saul
1: would be rejected by God because he rejected God. I'd like to repeat that. Saul would be rejected by God because he rejected God. How did he reject God? By disobeying God. By disobeying God. So I'd like to make a a strong admonition or exhortation for parents. Parents, love your children. Love them to death. Love your children. But you as mom and dad, you as mom and dad, you have authority over your children. Read Sirach chapter 3. I repeat, Sirach chapter 3. Read that. Read Sirach chapter 3. Which God is given the moral authority of parents over children. Children are called to obey the parents. That comes from God himself and that is the fourth commandment. So tell your children that you love them very, very much. But also tell your children that you have been given to them by God to be their parents, and they have you have moral authority over your children. Which means your children have to obey you. And tell your children if they do not obey you, then they will have there will be con, actions have consequences. That you as parents will have to punish your children in one way or another. I'm eternally grateful, my friends, for the fact that I had good parents. My father died five years ago. But I'm eternally grateful for the fact that Mom and Dad loved us very much, but they had two basic rules. Two basic rules. There were these. In our family, no lying. And obeying parents. Let me let me comment upon that. I think they are two good rules, what do you think? No lying. And they're the commandments, that's the eighth commandment and the obeying your parents is the fourth commandment. My parents are just insisting upon implementing the commandments in our family life. No lying because if you have a family filled with liars you can't trust anyone you can't trust anyone every time someone speaks you have to you know put the lie detector on you can't do that and sometimes some people can even lie to the lie detector so the essence of the importance of truth in the family the second would be obedience because if there's no obedience then there's going to be total confusion everyone becomes an authority unto himself So my friends, Saul was rejected because he did not submit to God in obeying God by holding on to the animals and offering up a sacrifice. God wanted the destruction of the Malachites and everything that belonged to them. So that's where we're at now. The reading today, God sends Samuel to anoint the king that will replace Saul. God has rejected Saul. He's going to be reigning as king for more time, but his life is not going to be very good. He's going to be suffering a lot. So, God sends Samuel to the house of Jesse. Jesse has seven sons. And when Samuel sees the older sons, he thought that the first son would probably be the one because he was tall, strong, manly, handsome. But God did not choose him nor
0: the second, nor the third, nor the fourth. And the Bible goes on to point out that God,
1: we read the appearances, whereas God reads the heart. We can read the appearance the appearances, the exterior (coughs) whereas God
0: himself, God reads the heart. So finally, Samuel
1: asks, Do you have any other sons? And Jesse says, Yes, I have one more son, he's out in the field tending the flock. The youngest. So, Samuel goes out in the field and he sees David who's young, ruddy, handsome, a very beautiful appearance. God says to Samuel, it's him anoint him as the future king. So Samuel approaches David and he pours oil upon the head of David because the anointing of king was carried out by the pouring on of oil. We have oil upon us in our baptism, the oil of catechumens. Then we have chrism, confirmation once again. And we, as priests, were anointed, our hands are anointed to be able to celebrate the holy
0: sacrifice of the Mass. So David's anointed. And The last
1: verse is a a verse that I love very much. It says that once he was anointed, then the Holy Spirit rushed upon David. The Spirit of God rushes upon David. Let's pray that the Spirit of God would rush upon us. That God's Holy Spirit would take possession of our memory, our understanding, our imagination, our emotions, our will, (coughs) our bodies, our intentions, our hearts. That we would be imbued, anointed by the Holy Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit would take us by the hand that we would be able to accomplish great things for God.
0: So David is anointed.
1: Then we're going to see how David being anointed, God is going to bless him abundantly in everything he does. David would be the king, the leader of Israel for many years. My friends, let us pray for world leaders. Let us pray for Pope Francis. Let's pray for our president. Let's pray for our political leaders.
0: Let's pray for our bishops. Pray for our priests. Let's
1: pray for parents who are called to be the spiritual, moral leaders of their family, of their children. Let's pray that all those who have authority over others would utilize their authority not for their own personal gain, but to serve God through their leadership, servant leadership. So my friends, I've given you a summary of the book of Samuel, pulling out some practical points. I hope this was helpful to you. See, I'm just speaking from memory because I said one of the points the Bible, try to memorize the Bible. If not word for word, at least the basic key concepts. But not simply to memorize the Word of God, but also to put into practice the Word of God. So, my friends, I'd like to give you my priestly blessing. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you in a very special way, with His Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.